Everything you need is already inside of you. The world would not be what it is without you. When we begin to create change within us, we begin to create change in the world around us. Your journey to becoming your best self as the whole person starts right now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Rise of Feed podcast. This is your host, Natalina. Such an honor to have you here today and for you to join us. We're going to be speaking with Sherry Cormier. She's a PhD in psychologist, counselor, and a public speaker. And uh, she recently wrote a book called Sweet Sorrow, Finding Enduring Wholeness After Loss and Grief. And the great thing about this episode, it is a part one and a part two. We have, we have two episodes, is that Sherry really provides a lot of strategy and tips that we can move through that are science-based because her background is so extensive and she, she really can speak to how we can overcome and I wouldn't even say overcome, but how we can move through and build the healing process after we go through stress, loss, when we lose somebody that is really dear to us. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. Please pass it on to anyone that you believe can benefit from it. Rise it for you and enjoy this episode. Sherry, thank you so much for joining us here on the Rise Up For You podcast. It's really such an honor to have you here once again. So for those of you that are joining us, Sherry, is this is our part two with Sherry. Thank you, Sherry. I'm so delighted to be back and thank you for inviting me. And I'm just excited to talk with you and your listeners. And um, I know that many people tune in and that this is an important um, moment in time for all of us, really. So Sherry, for those of us um, that are just joining you on the second second episode, if you missed the first one, please go back and take a listen. But Sherry, I'd love for you to just a quick rundown. Tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you're doing before we jump into the second episode. Okay. Just to refresh, I'm a licensed psychologist and a certified bereavement trauma specialist. And even though I've always worked with people with loss, you know, I have to say that personally, I was sort of a novice about personal loss until the last decade when I got a lot of personal loss uh, in a short amount of time. About 10 years ago, my um, dad and my beloved husband died within a couple months of each other. My husband's death was very unexpected. We were, in my way of thinking, fairly young then. And um, I didn't know any other widows at that point in, in the town in which I was living then. And then my mother died, and then my dog died, and then my only sibling died. So I found this to be very humbling, Nada, because... You know, I found out when it happens to you, oh, some of the things that you, you've recommended for other people don't necessarily work that well. So it was a really, it's really been a journey and a learning experience for me. And I ended up writing this book about it partly because it talks about my own journey in the last decade and it sort of gives a really a perspective on healing from grief and loss over time because I think it does evolve and it is different over time. Um, but partly because I wanted to uh, do something that would be a gift, 
of inspiration and comfort to people who really were suffering and really needed some tips and some tools for things that they could do to really help themselves heal. Absolutely. And, um, you know, it's interesting because everybody heals differently and everybody copes differently. And, um, I think that it's such an important topic to discuss, to figure out, you know, some strategies and and tools and explore with ways that we can overcome. Um, you know, I, I empathize with your story and, and the loss that you've had. I've also had, um, much loss in my life at, at a young age. I, me believing that it's young, you know, losing both parents and, you know, all of our grandparents in our late twenties, early thirties, my siblings and I, That's young. yeah. Um, you know, I wanted to talk today about how to, I guess, work through these things specifically during the holiday time, because, you know, it never really goes away, you know, that the sadness or maybe the feeling of incompleteness, I mean, definitely you can move through it and find a peace, but there's always something in you that, you know, longs for your parents or, or your husband or whoever it is that you lost. And it's more prominent during the holidays, you know, so I think it would be a really good um, thing to just talk about what some things we can do or coping strategies or just any suggestions that you have to make the holiday season just a little bit more positive or seamless. Yes, I think it's such a great idea. It's really a struggle for all of us. And of course, sooner or later, we all do experience loss. So it is a universal experience. Holidays are difficult and challenging, uh, particularly for people who've had recent heartbreaking loss because, you know, there's this expectation that we feel happy and joyful and people around us are celebratory. So there's this sort of cognitive dissonance that we notice what's out in the world and yet inside you know we're we're hurting our hole has a heart in it um i think one of the most painful things that people have told me that happens to them at holidays is they want to acknowledge the loss and particularly if it's been a person that they've lost they want to find ways to honor and remember that person during the holiday and that's a very important thing to do but I'm amazed at how many people around us don't want that to happen and so for grief survivors that I've talked with it's very painful because they want to find some way to talk about their loved one and commemorate their loved one and yet you know often members of their own family are saying well you know, that's going to be a downer or that's going to put people in a, in a bad mood or that's going to make people feel sad. So we don't really want to set a place for your, you know, husband at the table, or we don't want to have you have us talk about what we remember about uncle Joe, or we don't want to do anything that would bring up Um, the passing of this person and that's extremely that's extremely painful so you know one of the things that I recommend is that 
we do try, first of all, we, we acknowledge, we need to acknowledge that without our parents, in your case, or our beloved aunt, aunt or uncle, or our sibling that we lost, or our child, or our spouse, or partner, the holidays are going to be different from here on out. We will probably never have the same kind of holiday ever again. And that isn't to say that, you know, I, I don't want to say that in a pessimistic way, meaning, well, you know, your holidays are always going to have to be sad. I don't believe that. I do think your holidays will always be different. And the first holiday without that loved one is very different and is usually filled with sadness. So. I recommend that just acknowledge that there will be a difference. Things will not be the same. I think that's important because otherwise I think if we're under the illusion that we're just going to go, go about our married business the way that we always have done and things will feel the way they've always used to feel, that that is kind of setting us up for a little bit of a, of, of a downfall. And then I say, I'd like to recommend that we really be proactive. You know, really, instead of being reactive and thinking about, you know, reacting to the holidays as they are happening, be proactive and think about how do I want my holidays to be? How do I want to feel? Where do I want to celebrate? Who do I want to be with during the holidays? Who do I feel safe enough to, to cry if I want to cry? And what about traditions that I've always done in the past, perhaps with my loved one, that I want to let go of? And what about traditions that I want to create? And then communicate these wishes to other people. So make sure that people that you typically spend the holidays with or that are typically involved with you, whether it's people you work with or your neighborhood or people in your spiritual setting, people in your family, your close circle of friends, make sure that you communicate your wishes to them and, and really do so very directly. So those are a couple of really sort of head-on first thoughts I have about dealing with the holidays in the face of losing, uh, you know, facing a big loss. Sure. It's, go ahead. Go, sorry. I was just going to say, you know, I really appreciate um, the transparency when you talk about loss, because sometimes in a number of cultures, you know, not only in the American culture, American society, we just like to put a bandaid over things, you know, and say, you know, it's meant to be, or this is a part of life. You know, we make those statements that make it seem that we can't talk or cope or have the conversation about how we feel. Um, and I, and I appreciate this perspective of saying, you know, things will always be different doesn't mean that they need to be always negative, but there will always be a difference when you lose somebody. There will always be um, maybe a change around the holidays. There, you know, it's just really acknowledging that 
they had an impact on your life and them not being here will also have an impact on your life. And I, I appreciate that transparency and that space for people to have those feelings and the growth. One of the things that you were saying that I think was is really interesting and that I also find to be true is, you know, when you do want to talk about it, Um, and sometimes you want to talk about it in a positive way, like just remembering, you know, all the experiences, um, that there are people that have a hard time just talking about death or the loss of someone, or there's an uncomfortableness or an awkwardness, um, that they can't relate with you. And so they shut it down or they don't know what to say back, you know, almost like you're having a conversation by yourself. Why is that? Why is it hard for people to, I guess, just to talk about someone passing and to explore the past and the memories of the person that they lost? You know, that's such a great question. And and I'll give you my take on it, although I don't know that I have a complete answer to that because it's puzzling in some ways, only because death is as much a part of life as is birth. But, you know, you're right. We're, we we will always talk about the birth of someone, uh, you know, unless it results in a death, like a stillborn baby or a miscarriage. I, I think part of it is because death reminds us of our own mortality. Mm-hmm. So when we think about someone passing or transitioning, we feel uncomfortable because it re, it you know, it brings us face to face with the fact that one day we will also transition and that that our loved ones will end up having a holiday without us in the room in a physical sense. Mm. You know, I think energetically people are people that we're connected to that have transitioned are still in the room with us. But I think it's uncomfortable partly because of that. And then partly, I think it's just this sort of cultural conditioning you mentioned that, you know, it's almost like we view death as a taboo subject. You know, oh, we don't want to go there. Oh, you know, so many people will say, well, you know, don't talk to so-and-so about the fact that their partner died or their child died because we don't want to remind them of the loss. Nothing could be farther from the truth. We want to be reminded of the beloved person. You know, we want to talk about our child or partner or parent or sibling that that has transitioned. We want to remember them. We want to hear their names. We want other people to share stories. And like you said, they may be humorous stories or positive stories. That's very reassuring to grief survivors. So I think that cultural conditioning is erroneous, and I think it's very, very unfortunate. And really, really part of what I'm trying to do in these radio shows is to kind of undo some of, some of I guess, what I think is the damage that we do to the bereaved because of all of these cultural messages we've learned about what to say or not to say or what to do or what not to do. And, um, you know, it's healing for us to be able to talk with people about um, our, our people that we love so much that have transitioned. It's also very important because 
in telling our story and in listening to other people share stories about our loved one, that's a major way that we heal from bereavement. So it's, it's something that's very important. And at the holidays or any big event like the person's birthday or an anniversary, those are, those are times when it's, those are hard times for grief survivors. They're trigger events when we are more likely to feel incomplete or sad or downtrodden or, or alone. And so those are the very times when we need to be able to connect with people in our circles and remember our loved ones in particular. Mm. Not that they're ever far from our hearts. Right. It's just sometimes that the, you know, what's in our hearts really does need to get shared and get brought out on the table and get put in the room and received and received rather than shunned. Is there anything that you specifically do um, during the holidays that kind of, I guess, reconnects you with who you've lost or that centers you or focuses you that you could share with us? Yes, I'd love to. I'd love to. The first thing that I, and I'd like to respond in a couple ways to that, actually. Um, I want to go back and say, you know, when I talked about being very proactive and thinking about where you want to be and who you want to be with and what you want to do and don't want to do. My father died in October. My husband, my mother, my dog, and my only sibling all died in January. The same year? No. Oh, okay. The same month, but not the same year. And my husband became very ill at Christmas and died several weeks, weeks later in January. So the first year after he died, and that was the, has been the most difficult loss for me to, to heal from, um, I have two adult daughters. I'm so grateful I have two wonderful adult daughters. And we had a very intentional conversation because... You know, keep in mind, if you are a parent and you lose a partner and you also have adult children, not only are you grieving, the the children are grieving too. And so you have to sort of work with your own grief and also be responsive to their grief. So we had a very intentional discussion and we all felt, we all agreed that doing what we had typically done in the family home that first year was just going to be too painful for all of us. So we took a vacation the first year. We all took the week off between Christmas and New Year's, and we went to, um, we took a sort of a southern Florida beach vacation. And we went to the tropics, basically. And it was very restorative. It was very healing. And even though we were sad, it was very helpful. Now, we don't do that anymore. But one of the things that we do to answer your question in another way is when my late husband Jay was alive, he and I always exchanged stock Christmas stockings. And we took great delight in that. I would fill his stocking and he would fill mine and we would write little love notes to each other. Well, of course, I still have his stocking and it has his name on it. 
And so I now write little love notes to him. I hang his stocking up every year and I still write little love notes to him and I put them in my, in his stocking and I encourage other people in the family to write notes about things they remember about him and put in his stocking. And my daughters have taken over his tradition of, of filling my stocking and then they now fill my stocking for me. So that's a, a one new ritual that we have in our family. Another thing that we do that a lot of people find comfort in is we, the month of December, we always donate we always donate to a food bank or a particular place in his memory um, a, a monetary gift that we know will help other people. So that can be a, a very good way to honor and remember your loved ones because remember, we want to find maybe some new traditions to incorporate into our holidays that really find a way of keeping our connection on our relationship with our loved ones strong. Even though they're not here in the physical body, death doesn't mean that it's, death is not a disappearance, it's a transition. So uh, some people volunteer. One holiday, my daughter and I went to the homeless shelter and we cooked a holiday dinner in memory of our loved ones who've passed, our family, her, my parents, her grandparents, um, including uh, your loved one's favorite meal or favorite dish at a holiday meal is a good thing. Uh, setting a place for them, lighting a candle in, in honor of them. Um, I like to give a toast in memory of them at a holiday dinner. And I also love to play my family's favorite holiday music at this time of the year. So those are just sort of some little things that I do that, that I have found very helpful. I love that. Thank you for sharing. And um, it's interesting to hear, you know, some of the practices and things that you do as well. I, my father was a gardener, so I would plant a new tree every year or a new plant or um, a vegetable or something. So it's interesting to see. Yeah. It's such an alive gift. Yeah. You know, it's a gift that lives and it keeps growing and thriving and Absolutely. That's a wonderful way to honor that's a wonderful way to commemorate your dad. Absolutely. Thank you. Sherry, it's been such an honor to have you back on the show. Thank you for sharing with us and, and opening up this conversation, which as mentioned can be difficult for some people. Um, we're coming to a wrap of the episode. I know we've talked about some of the power um, questions in the last episode, but I just wanted to end with once again, you know, we're rise up for you. That's the company. When you hear that phrase rise up for you, what does it mean for you today? I guess it might be different from last well, time you heard it. <laughs> well, and I think it is because here's what comes into my mind today. The best way to rise up and heal a broken heart is to lift someone else up. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that is that is exactly the intention of Rise Up For You, is to rise up and be better within ourselves, to build a flourishing, thriving life within us so that we can make a larger impact with those around us. 
Sherry, thank you so much for joining us. How do we stay connected to you and how do we get in touch? Well, I have a website at www.sherrycormierauthor.com. And I'm on Facebook and Twitter, Sherry Cormier at Sweet Sorrow Book. And I'd love to connect with your listeners. And thank you so much for what you do with Rise Up in the world and everything you do in the world. Thank you. Thank you. Thank thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on the Rise Up For You podcast series. We're here to serve you and inspire you to become your best self so that you can live a life that you are proud of. If you haven't already, head over to our website, riseupforyou.com, and explore through all that we have to offer. Don't forget to subscribe while you're there for exclusive materials sent to you weekly, and also subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and any other major podcast channel. Join us for our next episode, but until we meet again, rise up for you, be better today than yesterday, and prepare for a greater you tomorrow. Tomorrow.